and you know what I miss most is is like it's not the country itself. It's just what I miss is just the chance of having a life there. That was Manuel. Manuel was born and raised in Venezuela, which used to be one of the richest countries in Latin America. In 1914, the largest reserve of oil in the world was discovered in Venezuela, and it became one of the largest oil exporters by 1930s under the authoritarian rule of the military. In 1958, Venezuela returned to democracy, and in 1960, OPEC was formed with Venezuela as a founding member. In the 1970s, oil price surged but didn't last long and suffered a crash in 1985. Government had to cut spending and seek an IMF. Long in 1989, when Carlos Andres Perez was elected president. In 1992, the then military officer Hugo Chavez led a failed coup and was eventually elected president in 1998, when he promised to reduce poverty and corruption. From 2004 to 2008, oil price per barrel surged from $30 to $140, and the state channeled the bonanza of oil revenue to social outreach programs to provide education, medical services, and subsidize the food to low-income communities and improve living standard. However, the public expenditure wasn't conceived to be economically sustainable, and aggravated state's dependence on oil. When the majority of the production capacity of the country went to oil, the production capacity for other economic sectors, such as manufacturing, was materially damaged. The state turned to import to satisfy the daily needs of its 30 million people, funded by increasing international debt. As a result, the economy became highly undiversified and overdependent on oil. And when in 2014 oil price crashed again, the economy was sent into a downward spiral, which forced millions. Of Venezuelans to leave their country in search for better life. Manuel was one of them. He was born in Venezuela in 1992 and made the decision to move to Colombia in 2017. This is his story. I'm from a middle-class family, and when I was a child, life was in some way like I wouldn't say easy. At that time, Manuel and his family lived in San Cristobal, the capital city of Tachira State, 57 kilometers from the Colombian border. He has a population of over 700,000 people, and nowadays it has become the main transportation hub as a final major stop in Venezuela for people who want to cross over to Colombia. From my house, it was like about 45 minutes to get to the the border to to the to the bridge. Manuel's father worked as a taxi driver in San Cristobal. Because of the proximity, it is not uncommon to pick up someone in San Cristobal who wanted to go to Cucuta, a relatively large border town within the territory of Colombia, or pick up someone in Cucuta who wanted to go to San Cristobal. He used to to go to、uh, Cucuta, and the border was open. There was no problem. Of course, there were issues regarding, for example, drugs and paracos. That was like a kind of a guerrilla that was at the border, but not something like Medellin, for example. That was back in the 90s. At that time, Colombia was less prosperous than Venezuela due to years of civil wars and conflicts between narco-traffickers and paramilitaries with the government. Actually, it's funny because my mom, my mom is Colombian, and、um, my mom got the, the the citizenship, the Venezuelan citizenship, when and she got married with my dad. But my dad never got the citizenship because he didn't need it. At that time, we used to go to the supermarket in Cucuta. We crossed the border、uh, by car, and there was no problem. You didn't need a visa. You didn't need an ID. 
we can use our currency there. We could buy some stuff that Colombians, they, they couldn't. And the currency was in some way for us good. Manuel studied in a public school. At school, Manuel was a quiet student. When I was in primary school, I was you know, kind of shy. I didn't have too many friends. And I was scared of math, math because I was not good with numbers. I liked too much geography and history, like social studies, because for me it was interesting to read. And that was something that I shared uh, with my brother, supported by my mom. And I think that's something that we kept, uh, my brother and myself, until now. I used to have uh, only classes in the uh, morning and until 12.30, and then I was like free. There was other time we got Pokemon, Digimon, Power Rangers, just watching TV and do, doing some homework. The moment in which I just realized that there was someone that was in the news or there was popular was at the moment that Chavez got elected. Hugo Chavez's political activity began in the 1980s and 1990s, a period of economic downturn and social upheaval in Venezuela. Venezuela's economic well-being fluctuated with the unstable demand for its primary export commodity, oil, which accounted for three-quarters of Venezuela's exports, half of its government's fiscal income, and a quarter of the nation's GDP. With many Venezuelans tired of politics in the country, Chavez won the presidential election in December 1998 and took office in February 1999. At that time, Manuel was seven years old. I remember that people was happy, but that that's my experience. Of course, maybe maybe it's, it's not for other kids, but in my family, in some way, that was taken less as a change. People celebrated in 1999. I didn't realize the importance of that, but of course, I, I knew that there was something different. I think it was in 2002 that there was the, the, the first uh, coup d'etat. The military forces were active in the street. We could not go out. Everybody had to remain in the house. That was like uh, the first moment I realized that there was something complicated regarding politics. In 2002, distrustful of the state-owned oil company PDVSA's top management, Chavez began stacking the board with his loyalists, which prompted a general strike in April by Venezuela's biggest business federation of labor unions. On April 11, the protest turned violent. Prominent businessman Pedro Carmona, who had helped organize a general strike, named himself president, detained Chavez, and dissolved the National Assembly. And there was the news that the, the president had disappeared and people were talking about changing the government, but nobody knew where the president was. As much of the military and the population were still with Chavez and a counter-coup was quickly launched, Chavez was restored to office shortly after his ouster and Carmona fled the country. Life went down. I lived in San Cristobal 17 years, my, my first 17 years, and then I moved to Merida, that's another city in uh, Venezuela, in the Indian region. And I started the, the university and I started to, to work there. So I was working and studying. I wanted to, to, to study, I wanted to get a degree, and there was something that I always had in mind. When I was in high school, I was thinking about what 
I was going to study. Oh, I was between education uh, to become a teacher, languages, and social studies such as history or geography. Eventually, when Manuel entered college, he chose language. He started out with French, but switched to Italian later on. In the meantime, he had to balance study and work in a new city that he hardly knew before going to college. I did not live my family life with the feeling of becoming independent. When I moved, I just realized that I was alone and I had to work and I had to study and I had to work just because I needed to to help my mom in order to pay the the yeah the place where I was the the room and my stuff. I was happy with my life at that time because I was I was doing it. Even if it was difficult, I was doing it. And I was being responsible, so I think that that was meaningful. And I had that independence, and I got independent without realizing that. And in 2013, when Chavez died of cancer in March, Manuel got the chance to go to Ireland to study English for six months in September with the help of a cousin who had done the same earlier. After he finished the six-month English course, as he didn't find a way to continue staying in Ireland, he decided to move back to Venezuela in 2014, heading right into the economic storm that was about to sweep the country. In June 2014, oil prices crashed. Venezuela's central bank stopped regularly releasing economic data, including economic growth, inflation, and public spending. There were a lot of students, a lot of young people leaving the university before uh, they graduated because they knew that they could not reach the end of their of their career there. And the conversations were like, "Hey, you know,、uh, your friend, I know,、uh, Sean is leaving the country. We're going to do a meeting、um, the next." Wait, do you want to join? So, and and it was like, oh my God, okay, yeah, of course I want. Where's where he's going? Because that was common at the time. Like everybody was leaving, everybody was leaving. So it was decided. It was 2017. Inflation rate in Venezuela reached 400 percent. GDP shrank by 16 percent year on year. The currency Bolivar was getting ready for its free fall in 2018. So I said, okay, I'm just finishing the the courses. I'm going to、uh, to go to Colombia to work. I was like, in some way, scared. No, I was like、uh, thinking, and if it's not the best decision, if I should、uh, stay there. But I said, okay, no, that's the moment, that's the time. So I need to do this. I was supported by my by my mom, and I was supported as well by my by my ex boyfriend. He's in Mexico right now. I think that all this、uh, support helped me. I remember that that night. I remember I was、uh, I was in the apartment. I lived with my my ex boyfriend and a friend, and we invited some friends. We had some beer, and I was just like、um, finishing my 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 luggage. And I was with Martin, my ex boyfriend, and of course it was difficult for us because I had this person with me during my、um, uh, life when I was in the university. He was who supported me. In different ways, of course, we we lived such a very important time of our lives. At the moment I leave the apartment, take the taxi, and I knew that I I was not going to see him for a good period of time, and of course we cried, and and it was difficult that you know that very well. I remember when I was in the bus, and I was thinking, okay, well, um, this is going to be a twelve-hour trip. It was like um. Like a feeling inside telling me, okay, you are going to the unknown, but I think that that you are going to do it well. 
I, t I took a book from Merida to San Cristobal, then I spent there like four days, and then I took another bus from San Cristobal to San Antonio, the last town in the, in the border. And then in San Antonio, I crossed the border uh, walking, uh, even with my luggage, and then I took another bus <laughs> from La Parada, that is like the, 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 the area from Cúcuta where the border is, or where the bridge is. And then I took a bus from uh, La Parada to the uh, to the station of uh, you know the bus station in Skuguta, and then I had to wait uh, to wait there like um, four hours maybe in the bus yeah. station in Skuguta. Yeah, in okay. the bus station because my uh, bus uh, was um, yeah was leaving in the evening at five or six, and then I had the final bus to from uh, Skuguta to Ritama. And then I was uh, received by my um, family. Compare, for example, with my memories when I was a kid, I remember that we used to cross the border uh, with my dad, you know, in the car, and with music happy because we were going to Colombia to go to the supermarket or to go to the shopping center to buy stuff. And of course, there, was, there were like people, you know, selling things, you know, and people asking for money as well. But there was not this situation that you can see in the in the border right now. Three years ago, you can only cross from eight to four or five in the afternoon. You can only cross walking. You need to carry your luggage. It was creepy because you felt like living a country in a war or something like that. You could see more like you know young people leaving the country. There were entire families leaving. There were uh, women leaving. There were even uh, old people going to Colombia in order to to go to the drugstore in order to get some medicines they need. There was a lot of people. Imagine a street market, and then like all people like you know surrounding and, and walking. But it's not a street market. It's just like a bridge to cross uh, the border, and everybody with luggage. You have the military forces in both sides. For example, in Colombia, you have the police and you have the soldiers. And as well, in Venezuela, you have the Guardia Nacional. You can see that face, uh, people's emotions. They are sad because they are leaving the countries because they have to. It's like sadness, it's like necessity, necessity is like desire to have a good future. So all these emotions you can see in the board. And that's that's the, the picture you, you get. As Manuel's mom is originally from Colombia, he had two advantages that normal Venezuelan immigrants don't have. First, he has a dual nationality of being both Venezuelan and Colombian. That means he has a Colombia citizen ID, which makes it a lot easier to look for employment in Colombia. Second, he has some family members in Colombia from his mom's side, and one of them is in Duitama, a small town in the department of Boyacá, 200 kilometers to the north of Bogota. The cousin took Manuel in when he just arrived and helped him to get started. She helped me to, to stay there with her family and I just started to work with uh, her husband because they have like a small business with uh, books. And then I just uh, started to send some, you know, applications to different jobs and it was in some way quickly, maybe a week that I've sent the first emails. I received a call from an institute here and they told me, yeah, if you want, you can come here and, and you can have an interview with us. And I said, okay, I will try. And then I was uh, traveling here and taking another bus from Garagoa, that's a little town in Boyacá to, to Bogota. 
uh, and then I was um, entering Bagrata by the north uh, uh, side in the morning <laughs> of that date, and I was like new, and I I remember my my picture is like have, uh, looking to to this you know uh, traffic jam in, in the in the morning, and and all these people like trying to get to the uh, public transport. And a lot of people walking and and like the big buildings and I said okay this is like this is not a town this is not a city like uh, the ones that I have been. In the end, Manuel got a job in Bogota, so he moved to the capital city. And shortly afterwards, he found another job. Therefore, he was working two jobs at the same time. I was like discovering the city in my everyday, in my routine life. You know, like working, going to a different part to work, or going to the uh, yeah, to my house. And then I just realized that I was like another local member in the city. The feeling of being new, or the feeling of the emotion of like being immigrant disappeared because I just, you know, became like part of the city in some way. And then I just said, okay, I'm just living here. Well, they're busy trying to look for employment and starting a new life in Colombia. During all that time, Manuel went back to Venezuela two times. I crossed the border in April 2017, and then I went back to Venezuela in June. I was in Santander, was close. I brought some food for my family, and then I stayed there for like three days. And I went to Merida as well. I visited my, my ex-boyfriend at that time. He was there as well for, her, uh, for his flight to Mexico. Then I come, came back to, to Colombia, and I did not come back until February last year. Uh, because I, I went there again to bring my mom to live with me here. Manuel was one of the first ones in his family to leave Venezuela. After his departure in his family in San Cristobal, there were his mom, his grandmother, his aunt, and his older brother. In 2018, I brought my, my brother, but I did not go there. I just bought a ticket for him, and he uh, made that trip. And then I, well, I helped him to, you know, to start here. And then the next year, um, I, I did the same with my mom, but I traveled there to well, Bogota, to Bogota, and then across the border, I visited my, my grandmom, my mom, and then I just um, came back here with my mom. Then, that would be the second immigration that Manuel's mom had done in her lifetime. More than three decades ago, she was one of those many Colombians leaving Colombia and going to Venezuela looking to start a new life. Three decades later, she returned to Colombia as an immigrant, confronted by unfamiliar culture and lifestyle, tired and weary. Well, my mom, she's from a low-class family in Bucaramanga. She did not live with my grandmother because at that time, like my, my grandmother was working at Spring City, so it was complicated. I didn't meet uh, um, my grandfather, so she was with some uncles and aunts. She didn't have uh, the chance to go to the university because at that time, as she told me, if you study, you could not work, and if you, if you work, you could not study. She finished high school and she was invited by a relative that she had in San Cristobal because she had family there. That was in 1982. She was 18 years old. She stayed at, uh, at her family's house and some cousins uh, helped her to introduce the city. 
and she said like well i'm going to try here so and she took the newspaper and she wanted to to have like a job or something there and she mm -hmm. tried to find a job as a, a administrative assistant like a accountant assistant and she got it and then she met my father well when she was 28 uh 10 years 10 years after she went to venezuela she had uh the first baby and then myself two years after at the age of 30. she has spent more time in venezuela than in colombia and it has been a process of getting to the city and getting to the culture again well, she's the she's a person who is always active. She said, "Okay, I I, I know I'm 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 57. I know that I'm not going to have like a proper job here because I don't have the experience because I'm I'm somewhere immigrant. So I, I'm not going to be uh, quiet. So uh, she said, "Okay, I'm going to do some. Well, here we call tinto. That is basically coffee. Uh, coffee. And she had some client that she went. She goes like in the afternoon, in the morning." And she goes to the stores and she has her clients and she basically she gets some money uh, from this for her, like, you know, to be active and to get some money for her. Finally, I asked about the future plans of Manuel. I think that I'm going back to Venezuela and uh, I will, of course, love to do it, but I think that Venezuela needs to go through a very difficult process. An economy of a country cannot be like restored like just in, in a year. It will take, you know, some years for Venezuela to recover. I would like to go back to my university and to maybe to apply for a professor's position there or to become part of the of the staff there working in the academic world that I that helped me to be what I'm now. So I would love to do that of course and to teach in my country and to give back to my country what the country gave to me. Meanwhile when he's still in Colombia. I, I learned to to become part of the place where I am. And so I think that that's uh, uh, that I that I learned to you know to, to include that to my life. So uh, there are things that I miss, but uh, let's say that they are not relevant for me. No, it's not that. It's just that I that I need that I know that I need to move forward. So it's just like I pass that. So I try to see fantasy in a real world. When we are kids, we we live with that like more like class for example we know that we are in the real world for example when we are at school and then in the afternoon everything is fantasy we only we play and and we use fantasy there when we play even even alone or for example when you are watching tv your cartoons it's fantasy for you so having that is like uh what i mean is like being having a simple life in some way that you are not uh, getting worried about politics or like economics or these kind of things uh, I would love, for example, to, uh, to to stay at home just watching TV, for example. Uh, I, I remember that I was uh, a kid, I, I used to to play a lot, like I, I, I wanted to become Power Ranger, for example. So, so my life was like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I basically, I, uh, I, I miss that, like, that we did not question that because we were just kids, you know, our minds were just, you know, uh, putting attention to our, our fantasy world and that was that was that was okay.
At the end of this podcast, I'd like to thank Freddy for his amazing work on the art, Margarita for her feedback on the contents, and Hyde for his advice and music. I'd like to thank Manuel for being willing to share his stories. It's been a pleasure learning more about the topic. I've always been very interesting and sharing it with other people. Garcia Marquez used to say, "Life is not about how you lived it, but how you remember it, and the way you remember it in order to recount it." From there. Thanks for listening.